0: one thing i would want to say because i remember feeling that frustration before if i want to contribute but how um is is actually be a bit more creative you know it doesn't have to be you don't have to be that guy on the ground you know you don't have to have studied economic development in third world countries at cambridge to be able to contribute and to be able to serve serve
1: Hello and welcome to the Together Podcast, a conversation about faith, justice and how to change the world. My name's Dan and today I'm joined by Chris and Abby. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, doing well, thanks. Yeah, good, thank you. So we've got a really good one for you today. We're going to be hearing from Bryn Frere smith who runs an ethical coffee company called Blue Bear Coffee Co. And Blue Bear Coffee Co. donates 100% of its profits towards fighting human trafficking. Bryn's had an interesting journey getting to this point, to say the least, He's had jobs working for the police, in private security, as an undercover investigator, and we're going to find how all of that joins together and it's got him to where he is today. But first up, it's time for What in the World? Welcome to What in the World, where we discuss some of the big talking points from recent news stories. Abby, what are we talking about today?
2: Well, July was a really busy month. We got yet another Disney rebake. Alex and Glastow got a record deal and of course we got a new Prime Minister. But in other news, it has been freaking hot. Woo! July 25th actually marked the hottest day in July in UK history. It was a scorcher. Was it like 38 yeah, degrees?
1: Like Yeah, I'd say mild. It was <laughs>
2: warm. It was alright. I had all to all take right. my coat off. Let's put it <laughs> Well, when it's hot outside, um, it's cold inside, isn't it, in the A.C.? And so you, yeah. you go out wearing, you're like, oh, it's going to be really hot. And then you're inside and it's... We've been debating that in breathing. the office, haven't we? Yeah. We've been
1: like, oh, I was going to wear shorts, but I'm in the office all day, <laughs> so I wear trousers. And then you go out for lunch and then it's really hot.
2: Yeah, it's probably dynamic. should pack a cardigan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't
3: want to leave, actually. But I've recently just moved and the flat that I've moved into is hot hot like you walk in and it's thick you know the air
1: is thick yeah like, oh, i don't know what i'm gonna do here. Yeah. I, I love this it's that classic either too cold or too hot for british people yeah. Not, yeah. there's nothing in between
2: well while we've been soaking up these gorgeous rays and um, i think it's a really helpful reminder of actually this climate emergency that we're facing so how big of a problem is this and what can we do to make a difference
1: yeah it's interesting i think you know we're just laughing Um, and joking around. One of the biggest problems is this disconnect between the weather and the impact it's having on the world. And so, probably because they've been doing it for decades, but newspapers print on their front covers, you know, hotter than Greece, (laughs) and best summer in, like, a hundred years. When actually, you know, we know so much more about the reasons why it's hotter, but that's not making the, the front pages. Uh, which is really interesting. I saw a funny tweet that was saying we're making a big fuss about the fact that it's the hottest summer on record for 125 years, when actually the flip reality of that is that it's probably going to be the coolest summer for the Mm. next 125 years, because every year now we're going to be getting hotter and hotter, um, gradually, as climate change picks up. Um, So it's a bit crazy. So obviously we know the problem of climate change, but there is this also disconnect problem as well, where we're like, we love the weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's
3: weird as well. I feel like I've spoken to loads of Christians in my time. <laughs> in your time, <laughs> I'm just being a Christian as well. <laughs> um, but I think mean, there's this there is this massive disconnect when you say, "Oh, you know what? Like the, where, this climate change emergency is is a real thing. We need to we need to react to. We need to respond. And I'll get a lot of people just kind of go, Oh 'I can't it in his hands.' Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, but I mean, mm-hmm. we also have an agency and. Do you know what I mean? God told, us, God sent us into Eden with Adam and Eve and was like, look after this, be good mm. stewards. But I think so much of the time we're just like, oh, you know what, the world's not going to end before God wants it to.
2: Mm. It like,
3: doesn't seem like a good response to me. Yeah.
2: I mean, I'm less and less, I don't know about you guys, but I'm less and less walking into conversations with people who don't believe climate change is a thing. Mm. Um, whereas 10 years ago... Um, and even The Inconvenient Truth, that was like the 90s. That was yeah. Al-, Al Gore, I think. Um, people were like, nah, we're fine. Don't know what he's talking about. Whereas now, I think with things like um, the climate strikes, the Rebellion, rebellion, um, the profiles being raised, you can't ignore it anymore, which is exciting. Mm, yeah. But also good to remember there's people out there who still don't
1: get it, mm, they don't understand.
2: Yeah. It is such a difficult thing to wrap your head around sometimes as well.
1: Yeah. What I really love about it, though, is it seems like that you know, we're we're here in this room all agreeing, and I reckon everyone listening to this podcast is like, "Why are you guys saying this?" Like, we're totally on board. And there's this really exciting thing where there's a generation that who are who are getting it, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And with Greta and the school strikes and stuff that are going on, but just wider than that, like, there there really does seem like a. Um, a an uprising that's gaining traction because we're all saying, like, we're seeing the effects of it, and actually, we care because it's our future. Yeah, mm. and that's you know, in the midst of something that is really serious and can be depressing at times, yeah, and it's going to have a significant negative impact on the world. There's just this, I don't know, positive feeling that I'm getting of people making a difference,
3: yeah, for sure. And it is like, I don't, again, we're not going to try to say it's a complete, like, stone cold generational split. Of course, there's people who are older who get it as well, and mm. actually, they've been doing the research for years and stuff Mm -hmm. but it is funny like I remember going to the school climate strike and we did that on episode 7 of the podcast we did a special on that one and I remember being there and seeing these like three guys these three blokes they look like they're in their 40s 50s and one of them just shouted out snowflakes I just thought (laughs) thought, that's such a strange like Such a strange way to try and like sum up this moment. Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. These people who are like literally putting their own they're putting themselves in the line. Yeah. Mm. Like showing actually a lot of boldness and courageousness to say, yeah. you know what, I wanna make a change in this. Yeah. Um and ironically, like <laughs> saying snowflakes is like, yeah, no, if we don't say it now we might never see it or we'll snowflakes, yeah. you know what <laughs> I mean? So Yeah, let's use frost based weather analysis. <laughs> <now, actually. laughs> <Exactly. laughs> so it's it's really it's really interesting, it's really strange kind of like When you do see that complete split, and I guess that is why we talk about the podcast because actually it's kind of a reminder for us and our generation Mm. to kind of be like, the job's not done. Mm. As much as we kind of see it as like, like obvious and like, like everyone knows this. Unfortunately, that's not the case, and even more so. I mean, I think people also don't even think about the effects climate change is having now. Mm. And you know, a lot of the times we think about, oh, where's the planet? Where's the planet going to be in fifty years? Where the planet is now is not great either. Yeah, you know what I mean, people mm-hmm. who are living living in poverty, uh, particularly like you know, they they're at risk of le- losing their livelihoods, at risk of losing their homes, and you see that in the extreme weather that kind of comes with that. And even mm-hmm. here, we're having like we're having crazy floods here as well. So this like kind of couple like weeks of sun is mm. it worth it? <laughs> you know what I mean? When you putting people's lives at stake. Yeah.
1: I was reading that these eighteen months from now are really pivotal. There's um, been a lot of thinking about the next twelve years. Is is all we have to save the world? Mm. Um, but we're uh, we're campaigning, um, or the, the world, or a lot of people are campaigning to make sure that carbon emissions peak in 2019. Um, and so, obviously, they've been increasing year on year for a long, long time. Mm. Um, but people are now saying that in, if. If they continue to grow past 2019, then there's going to be even significant uh, more issues, and mm. things are going to accelerate. And so, like now is the time to do it. You know, 18 mm. months, yeah. um, we've got to try and sort this problem. Um, and so, whatever we can do now is is really important. Yeah,
2: I think it's really important, like we said, Chris, to um, remember all that global connectedness, that global connectivity, because there are. It's really easy to remember, like to forget. Sorry, when you're. Um, that watching the news and you're reading Mm. articles, that they're human beings that are affected by this. Mm. They're not just countries with populations of so-and-so, many people affected by a flood. They're human beings with names Mm. and families and fears, and um, that can be really difficult to remember when you're constantly bombarded by it, right? But actually, um, that the country of Bangladesh doubles... number it floods now it floods the whole southern part of the country floods twice as much as it did five years ago because it's a low-lying country low-lying land country so it's just um a reminder that actually they're they're people who their homes just flood twice a year they lose everything twice a year and that's the reality and they actually don't have a voice unlike we do um to be able to go out and say what we think and to speak for those who don't and can't.
3: Yeah, and that's part of it, right? So we need, like, obviously I think we know about, you know, taking individual action, but also collective action, Mm -hmm. getting together. Like we said, the school strikes, like, really amazing to see so many people so passionate about, uh, you know, this issue and actually saying, I'm going to inconvenience myself. About this to actually make it known that we need mm. large-scale change, and obviously, like we said in the podcast, you know, if you are a young person thinking about going on the school strikes, you know, that's something to speak about with your parents and actually, you know, getting consent and stuff. Um, and then, interestingly, like, like a group like Extinction Rebellion, I don't know if you guys saw the, the BBC did a documentary on them like a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Um, there's actually an article on the on the We Are Fund site, wearetearfund.org, about that documentary and some of the impressions from that. Um, it's just really interesting. Again, like, I watched it as someone who, like we all said, we all agree this is a problem, this is an issue that we need to face. And I watched it, I finished watching that and being like, wow, this is actually a problem. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because you yeah. saw people who like, legitimately like, have let this affect not only their heads, but their hearts as well. Mm. And I think that's kind of our job is to make sure that we are, affect- are affecting
1: people's heads and hearts with this message of actually we need to make a difference. Yeah. I think it terms if, first steps there was this really interesting article I read I think it was out kind of the end of 2018 Um, it's on BBC website and we'll put the link somewhere in the show notes Um, but it's basically 10 things you can do 10 simple steps you can you can take uh, to tackle climate change and it's quite a short article but it just gets across all of the different kind of complexities of it the need to kind of combine individual actions so looking at your energy supplier looking at how much you travel uh, looking at your uh, meat intake and the impact the meat industry has on um, on carbon emissions but also the importance of calling on politicians the importance of calling on the big multinational corporations uh, in order to do that because that's where the big shift will come even though our lifestyle decisions are good for kind of publicity and encouraging other people to do the same, uh, combining the two is really important. So if you're listening and you just want to read up a little bit on it or get some more ideas, then then do check that out. Uh, and it's talking, you know, even things that we might not be aware of. So uh, it's saying a lot of universities and businesses kind of invest some of their money in, in stocks um, and invest in other businesses. And so petitioning on those organisations to divest from uh, kind of high emission uh, organisations, people who are using fossil fuels, all of that kind of thing, is actually a really simple thing for us to do. And there was quite a big university movement in that a couple of years ago um, where a lot of universities had been investing money in fossil fuel companies and because of the pressure of students, they actually decided to divest that into to green uh, electricity and green energy projects. And without the pressure of individuals and groups doing that, then, you know, that wouldn't have happened. So yeah, check check that article out. Really good, and I'd definitely uh, recommend that. So, convincing others to take action can be frustrating sometimes, but you know we've got to keep going. Uh, the problem is a lot bigger than uh, than we realise, and it's impacting lives now. So, you know, even here in the UK, we're experiencing really bad flooding. This, of course, becomes an even bigger problem in poorer countries where people's homes and livelihoods are at stake. Our guest Bryn is someone who's familiar with this as he works with coffee farmers from around the world so kind of sees it firsthand. so he touches on how climate change can actually lead to unfair wages for those coffee farmers uh, so let's listen to Chris's conversation with Bryn and hear a bit more about Blue Bear
0: Coffee So my name's Bryn I'm I know Chris from from way back when he went to Taverham Evangelical <laughs> Church in Norwich um, when he was studying at university. Uh, quote so, unquote studying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I thought I was the most unusual guy at that <laughs> congregation, but Chris came along and took it, took the um, that medallion off me. Um, yeah, so since so when I knew you back then, Chris, I was a police officer for Norfolk Constabulary. Yeah. So since we've um, since we've known each other in those lives, I transferred to the Met, uh, spent a little bit of time working on a crime squad in East London, and then I left the police in 2014. Uh-huh. Uh, not for any particularly scandalous uh, <laughs> sort of reasons, other than I was just sort of fed up with it actually, and yeah. it wasn't really working for me. It was a you know, the police still suffers from a great deal of um, yeah, public negative public attention, really, and, yeah. and the morale within the job was at an all-time low. And I think it's continued in that vein, and I saw that. I saw that that probably wasn't going to change uh, during my service. Yeah. So I decided to leave uh, the police start Norfolk's most um, unsuccessful security company (laughs) with a friend and fellow ex-copper. We started something and uh, we picked up a few bits of work here, there and everywhere, but it really wasn't going to pay the bill, so I returned to London again. Uh, took a job working as a bouncer on a, on a restaurant front door, yeah. which led to a, a slightly posher uh, club, um, a private members club, which led to a, a royal family from the Middle East, and then I was away. I sort of worked as a as a bodyguard in the, across London and. and Internationally for the last five years. Yeah,
3: so you bounce around quite a lot. We've got police, we've got we've got local police, we've got Met police, yeah. we've got yeah. security. Yeah. Like what was going on? <laughs> <Is it> evident, <laughs> <is it> evident, <laughs> I've got commitment <laughs> issues. I think.
0: I think. Oh gosh. I mean, that's a, a bigger life question. Probably yeah. too analytical for me to really get my head around. It might have something to do with the fact that I don't know. I have a slight uh, fear of. Um, yeah, I don't know, just missing the boat on things, mm. you know. Maybe I, I certainly didn't want to waste another 30 years in the police and a job that I wasn't enjoying. Yeah. And I wanted to push. I wanted to push. I think more recently I've been reflecting on on that part of my life and my lifestyle and wondered, well, what, what's that about? Yeah. The only answer I can really think of is probably... I grew up going to, to visit my mum in a cancer hospital yeah. uh, in, in London, actually, in, in the Royal Marston, and uh, mum's still alive. Um, but uh, that was in the formative years of my childhood. yeah. And my auntie, too, she suffered from breast cancer on, on numerous occasions, and then it took her. Um, when I first joined the police in 2009, and I think because that experience at a, a relatively young age, uh, it gave me a real, uh, a very maybe a heightened sensitivity around my own mortality yeah you know like wow this could be over any time you know i could get you know find a lump or have that experience at the doctor's surgery which i'm really sorry mate but you know this isn't good news and i've seen that happen to to the the closest people around me so i if i'm being really sort of psychoanalytical (laughs) i imagine that might have something to do with why i you know, don't tend to let the grass grow very long before I roll onto something else. But yeah. That's what I've been up to since we've <laughs> seen each other last, mate. <laughs> so you went from
3: police security mm. um, and you've ended up now, what well, I've seen you very busy at doing, like pretty much every day on on the socials, I've seen you going at
0: it, Blue Bear Coffee. <laughs> yes.
3: How did that come up? What is that about?
0: Yes. Um, yeah, that was like... Okay. So so I'll tell you what Blue is, and then I'll, I'll tell you how we got there. So, so Blue Bear, essentially, um, we, we trade ethical coffee. Yeah. So we buy and sell ethical coffee um, from farms across the developing world. And uh, we sell it online and through wholesalers, so wh- yeah. wholesale customers, whether they're coffee shops or restaurants or churches or businesses. And then we, we take all of the profit that comes out of that, um, and we give it away. Um, yeah. At the moment, we're partnered with IJM, uh, with a charity called Unseen, and thirdly, a charity called Justice and Care that all work in, yeah. in the justice space, in the anti-human trafficking space, in the yeah. anti day slavery space. And that's what that's what Blue Bear does. So I, I arrived at Blue Bear. Um, I try and sort of cut out the, the unnecessary flesh from this story. Uh, no, we but, like the flesh. Oh, yeah. you like throw that back in. <laughs> Uh, Like I said, I'd done a number of security jobs after I left the police, and I ended up working as a security advisor to the CEO of a venture capital firm in Mayfair. So it was an investment firm um, backed from from, uh, the the Middle East, and uh, my role was to identify risk and threats and, you know, deal with those accordingly and I did so um, by setting up a consultancy to, to, to do that sort of work and it, it was a really enjoyable work very diverse uh, sort of work amazing high profile individuals that are involved in that and, and the exciting uh, aspect of potentially being involved in, in new uh, you know, businesses that the yeah. venture capital scheme would then invest in and be a part of it so there's a lot about it I liked but ultimately it was entirely leveraged around money yeah. getting rich, greed and it's, it's um, it's infectious environment. Yeah. You know, the first day I rolled in in my next suit, and then and then to, before you know it, I'm getting handmade suits made. You know, yeah. I'm spending a huge amount of my take home on stuff that I never once thought was you know necessary before. But suddenly yeah. that environment was having its effect. And fortunately, I did feel that God had um, sort of prepared me for quite a fast uh, rip cord parachute exit. Actually, yeah. uh, the last few days before I did leave, I was sort of walking into that office and looking at my chair, going hmm. I don't want to sit in that today. You yeah. know, that's not where I want to be right now. Essentially, that the, the company offered me a, a percentage of the share capital of the company when it listed on the stock market, which would have been enough to, to pay off uh, my mortgage and yeah. suit, fit me up quite nicely as a, as a young man um, going forward in life. Uh, and but in in doing so, I would then have to go and work directly for them, so I wouldn't have that. Uh, Sort of sterility that I had by running a consultancy and working for them. It meant, hey, Godfather conversation, you know, yeah. come and sit on the board and be part of this. And and for a number of reasons, I felt this is my time to go. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Um. So at the same day, I cleared my desk and handed in my resignation, and and I stepped away from that job and thought, hey, how did I end up here? <laughs> Pretty <You> know, quick. <laughs> how did I end up here? You know, I joined the police for a reason. God has put the issue of justice on my heart, and I've ended up in Mayfair. You yeah. know, surrounded by money. How do how do you think you figure it up there I don't know and there's a huge amount that I've taken from that year and yeah. the people I've met that I'm now employing into Blue Bear. okay cool. so there's there's a great deal of learning that took place so a lot of these security jobs are f- phenomenal you know yeah. you get to see the world you get to fly on um, you know private jets you get to peek behind the curtain of yeah. the naught point naught one percent albeit but from a very servile perspective you know you're not the one eating the ribeye steak you're the one outside in the range where we're waiting for him to finish dinner but it's a it's a privilege yeah um but but it's not necessarily particularly demanding in in some respects to you know i wanted a challenge yeah and and this job with this investment firm gave me a lot more challenge um so that's probably how I ended up there. But I left. I thought, OK, well, if we just take money out of this, you yeah. know, if we don't worry about a salary and just try and increase your faith muscles a little bit, yeah. what would you do? Yeah. And my mind went back to an organization called uh, International Justice Mission. Yeah. Um, uh, we, I imagine you've heard of. And, yeah, um, definitely. We had,
3: um, yeah, we've had someone on a podcast from IGN before, so yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny actually. I don't typically outside of Christian circles, they've got very, very low profile yeah. in the UK. and the US, is quite different. It's you know, they're extremely well known. And Gary Haugen, the CEO, just recently delivered the um, you know the main talk at the the president's prayer breakfast. Oh, well. You know, he sat there with with the, the heads of state and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. He's a pretty remarkable guy. It's a pretty remarkable organization. But I had came across them when I was a little boy yeah. and I was at a church camp and I heard someone get on stage and talk about being in an undercover, you know, undercover <laughs> investigator in Southeast Asia yeah. and uh, busting this ring of traffickers. And, and I thought, wow, you yeah. know, as a young, you know, young teenage boy, how cool is that yeah. as a Christian to operate in that sort of yeah, yeah. Uh, world? And, and that seed was planted. And then when I left the police, yeah. I, I looked at IJM and they had one job at the time for an investigator and it was the director of uh, investigations um, and law enforcement development in Ghana uh, on Lake Volta. There's a lot of issues on Lake Volta, an enormous uh, lake that uses small boys to go out and and hand fish and a lot of them end up being abused and drown and and, and live through these extraordinarily terrible circumstances, completely unpleased. And... uh, They were looking for a head of investigations and then I read the prerequisite material for that job and it was like, must have served 25 plus years in the police, must have been responsible for like 50 plus members of staff. I thought even with the most, you know, the most polishing and embellishment, I can't, I'm never going to swing that. But it was something that connected my heart with my heart. And I thought, well, I can, you know, I can pay a direct debit. I can respond to this in some capacity. So I started yeah. a, a direct debit and monthly account and I'd just pay towards this. If I can't serve it, I, well, I can maybe serve it with my yeah. finances. So once again, we're at that issue of, right, what would I do if money wasn't an issue? Yeah, yeah. And I looked back at. I thought, well, why don't I just go and work for them for free? Yeah. And they do an internship scheme at IGM and they do what's called a fellowship scheme. So the yeah. fellowship ship schemes for people which have professional experience um who have, have had a career in that capacity that they can then come and bring their experience and their skills and their knowledge to to equip and to uh just to contribute to whatever's going on in that project and i was uh recruited in that role and one other chap he was sent to uh, Calcutta, India he was an ex-detective cool. from New Zealand and then I got um, sent to the Dominican Republic uh, in the Caribbean cool. so I like to think I got the better <laughs> better half of that not bill not too shabby <laughs> I actually I, I swung it because I'd, I'd left my Spanish GCSE on oh, my um, yeah, no, on no. my CV <laughs> so I managed to blag you know how to tell people that you played football <laughs> <laughs> last, last Saturday <laughs> yeah, that's about it, how I like my food yeah that was that was the Spanish I brought to the table, but it got me the job amazingly. And so I spent a year last year um, investigating uh, on a project that uh, was dealing with the issue of the commercial sexual exploitation of children yeah. in the Dominican Republic. Um, so it's essentially child sex trafficking. Yeah. Uh, and my role um, was to go out there actually the fact i spoke very little spanish was was actually helpful to some extent when i played the role of of of, uh, of a gringo yeah. or a tourist uh, you know sex tourist that was coming here to find coming to that country to, to to find girls to to sleep with yeah and my role was to try and you know reduce that age yeah. know, and find if there was a third party responsible for that individual sale yeah uh, for her for her or his uh, exploitation and control who is that what are the circumstances that are going on here this is no way you're 18 yeah how has life led you to being here and if there was someone responsible for it then we had a case and then we would yeah. obviously investigate that case and try and, our best to see justice done yeah
3: wow so that's like a really kind of full circle moment in terms of like like you said you're younger and heard that talk by someone from idm mm. planted the seed was, was that like the first time for you that you'd ever thought i kind of guess about justice more widely than your immediate like your
0: immediate surroundings mm. well internationally yeah Yeah, I suppose so. The temptation is to look actually internationally. You think, oh, this is something that goes on in Africa. This is something that goes on in India. And I I certainly never associated with the Caribbean. Yeah. Um, But of course, you know, in the police, I I came across issues of human trafficking. I think we're becoming more and more conscious of the issue of human trafficking within our borders domestically and, and what that looks like. But yeah, this is the first time I I suppose I thought I could actually influence something overseas. I could actually contribute something overseas. I can take my English experience of law enforcement and employ it in another culture, in another country.
3: And what's really interesting as well is, I guess, you you went to university, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, what do you study? Oh gosh, thanks, mate. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that a pass, is that a pass out here? Oh no, don't worry. F- I think we both studied, man. I think we both studied like Mickey Mouse courses. Really. Complete,
0: yeah. University of Disneyland. <laughs> I uh, I got uh, I've got a combined on it. Talk. This is literally the most average degree you've ever had <laughs> in your life. I've got a, a two two. Yeah. Um, in a combined honors bachelor's degree in drama and theatre studies and sport and exercise science. That is very <laughs> random. I thought mine was bad. But <laughs> Talk about a door opener.
3: That's I mean, I guess and that's the thing though, right? So everyone, most people will leave school, whether they go to uni or not, one question, different question. But I guess everyone kind of has this vision of, right, got to get my life sorted, got to be part of the, almost get part of the rat race, right? Yes. Um, but interestingly with you, you kind of <laughs> unknowingly connected yeah, yourself yeah. up perfectly yeah. to uh um, god ordered those steps yeah, for you to perfectly kind of step into this role
0: in some way i know completely right and, and he's the master you know he's the master tailor he's the master yeah. craftsman he can take my cut-offs and my mistakes and actually make something quite beautiful out of it and and that's definitely true to to, to my testimony in yeah. my life but it took me leaving a job with absolutely no crash net. Yeah. When I left the, the, the police, it was done quite suddenly. I used up all my annual leave and all yeah. my time off the loo and within a few days of making that decision, yeah. I was out. And I had nothing prepared for that time of my life. I had no yeah. cushy job to step into. I had nothing. It was back at mum and dad's and then it was a friend's flat in Clapham Yeah. and working on the door of a restaurant yeah. in the hope that I would meet someone that would lead to something. And, and it did, yeah. but it was a flipping, you know, low paid job yeah, you know yeah. a, a, and it was you know earning not a lot of money and all my friends back in the police thinking what are you doing <laughs> yeah um, but i knew you know it was a it was the time to, to to make a bit of a risk take a you know judgment call am, am i going to continue here yeah. am i going to jump off and put the t- you know cards back on the table and see what else can happen with
3: this yeah mic? i mean i think for me hearing you talk about it the most important thing i'm hearing is just kind of just like be honest with what your yeah. heart is calling you yeah. for and i think um in, within the justice world there's quite kind of this like outsider in perspective sometimes where I know for myself beforehand like have just be just working and kind of thinking I care about stuff but I'm not in a position to do anything mm. but actually what's interesting with what you were saying is actually no you put you were putting your money into stuff mm. anyway you mm. were actually still allowing that to be a seed that was kind of growing inside of you and being watered inside of you Mm. was there anything like in particular that kind of kept that cause going on inside you or do you think it was just like the stars just aligned and it happened to just work out
0: i don't know you know it's it's funny you you say you say that and i agree in 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 respect to the first part of what you were saying about serving a cause that you're passionate about that for whatever reason um you know, Christian or non-Christian, you have a heart, you know, in your heart that you feel more sensitive to than others. Yeah. Um, and you want to pursue that in some way. And I remember my first experience of, of sort of, uh, service of, of some sort was I went and did a gap year at 18 years old in Bolivia oh, yeah. um, for an organisation called Latin Link and it was very much a gap year experience and we did yeah. building projects in a community in, two communities in Bolivia, massive experience for me, yeah. hugely influential and informative but I still came back feeling a little bit underused mm. oh, well, you know, what could I contribute, I didn't have the language skills, I wasn't a doctor yeah. I wasn't a builder. I wasn't a plumber, You know, what could I have really contributed, how could I have served more and it, this is a you know very slightly simplistic <laughs> infantile way of looking at service and what yeah. that is and i think god's economy is totally different to my very human understanding of it but what was great about this experience with ijm there's actually there was something that i could take a very practical yeah. skill that i had and employ it. having said that uh, there are many ways um that you can serve these causes. And I don't know if I'm, I'm going off on a tangent and answering a question you didn't give me. But one thing I would want to say, because I remember feeling that frustration before, if I want to contribute, but how? Yeah. Um, is, is actually be a bit more creative. You yeah. know, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to na- be that guy on the ground. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't have to be, have studied economic development in third world countries yeah. at Cambridge to be able to contribute and to be able to serve. I'm um, flipping it, you know, you, I knew you was a rapper. Yeah. You know, and there you are working for Tear Fund. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think God likes the diversity as well, right? yeah, you, you know, and, and taking. But what was the other p- element of that question you asked? Was it the stars aligned or how did that come yeah. about? Or, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I, I want to stay attached to this issue. Yeah. There are tons of things you could devote your life to, you know. And yeah. and, and, and But this is something I feel more led to than others. Okay,
3: awesome. So, gone all the way from being a little boy, hearing about hearing about uh, uh, human trafficking. Yeah. Uh, you've gone through, you've gone through, you've done your fear and your fear and sports degree. We well, haven't talked much about the theatre. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, and yeah, so you, you end up in the DR and as you said, you're doing this job on the ground. Mm. Um, yeah, speak, can you speak more into the, into the experience of that? What, mm. What were some of the, I guess, some of the stories that you came across, and obviously, like say as 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 little as as much yeah. as you can, um, yeah. What was that like?
0: Yeah, re- remarkably difficult. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I expected it to be anything other than that. I knew it was going to be difficult just because of the subject matter. Yeah, I don't think they. Evil is particularly doesn't really work in terms of grading, right? Well, this yeah. is more terrible than this. Like, that doesn't tend to work. Yeah. However, uh, when it comes to children being abused and sold and commoditized, there is something especially awful and torrid about that. Yeah. And, I, and that was my life for a year. Even more so. And I, I don't say this to 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 um, solicit pity by any means, but to to just to, to offer a very real response. You know, when you ask how was it, it was it was. Shattering, yeah. Uh, you know, to play the role of the, potentially a sex offender as a customer, yeah. Even though you know you're doing it for a reason, you're doing it to to, to identify um, if the, you can evidence that yeah. something going on that is illegal and build cases. And we did, and we did rescue children and young yeah. lives are changed because of that experience. But it was really hard. I had to accept being seen um, by people as as that role, yeah. And so, hey, there's the drama again you know but yeah. the the reality is is I don't want to be seen like that, you know. Yeah. I wanted to be the person that put a hug round, you know, embrace someone and say, yeah. "You know, you are loved. You don't know it. You might not know it, but you are loved." Yeah. And and we're going to change things. I never got to be that guy. Yeah. You know, our job was to go find the evidence and point people in the direction to everything we could to bring the police and bring and bring justice to that situation. It wasn't kicking down doors yeah. and picking people up in our arms and telling everything's going to be all right because, sadly, in many cases, these individuals may be re-trafficked be victimized and we have burnt ourselves out by revealing ourselves as undercover investigators so that that shouldn't be done yeah Um, so we didn't get the fluffy stuff and that was probably the hardest the hardest part of that experience for me for every life we positively influenced and impacted i met you know a dozen more that i had to walk away with and think i haven't helped that situation i can't help that situation you're an adult no one's coercing you Obviously, criminally, yeah, to, to do what you're doing, but that doesn't make your situation any less awful. Yeah, and, and that was flipping hard work. Yeah, man. I can that was hard work. It sounds
3: yeah, that sounds horrific. And I think it's interesting because, like, on this kind of scale, yeah, I feel like that experience is like very much on this kind of like extreme scale of this sort of feeling that I find a lot of people who do have a heart for justice do have a heart to want to make a change in the world. This kind of uh, feeling of well I'm just one cog, mm. and actually mm. this whole thing feels so much bigger than me and Am I actually making as much of a difference as I thought I'd be? uh Are my actions kind of mm. do they matter as much as I hope they would yeah. um with that experience what kind of what helps you keep going? what yeah. kind of reminds you
0: that actually you're living out what God has called you to it's 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 a good question and uh, there were loads and loads of positive things that came out that year. Yeah, yeah. most difficult year, best year as well. You know, yeah. there's, there's no two ways about that. It was a flipping great time, met some amazing people, was hugely inspired and moved by the colleagues I was, I was sharing that experience yeah. with. But, um, I, I actually spoke to a counsellor when I got back. So I got back and I, I had a meeting with some guys from the charity Justice and Care, uh, uh-huh. actually a guy called Jamie Fileman that used to work at Tier Fund, okay, cool. uh, and Christian Guy, who's the CEO of Unseen UK. And I was talking about well, Blue Bear, what I wanted to do with Blue Bear, and, and I hope there would be a, a recipient of some of the yeah. money we hope to raise through it. And they asked me about the experience, you know, and, and I retold a story. Um, actually, it was the story but behind Blue Bear, which, you know, obviously I'd love to share. Yeah. And it led to me sort of breaking down in tears. And they said, you know, maybe you should get some, maybe think about, I thought about getting some counselling. Yeah. And, I don't know, it's still that, I still probably have that leftover macho sort of whatever's put on you from being in the cops or yeah. being a bodyguard or whatever, that I don't need to talk about my problems, you know. Uh, but I did, and he was a, a tier fund employee, he's a lovely man, and we spoke, and I told him another story, I said, I just can't get this out of my head. There was a young girl, probably 13 or 14, and we found her, and there's... I couldn't help her, and I still feel like I haven't done enough. I feel like I had that experience. I should be doing something with that experience. How can she carry on living that life when I'm back here comfortable and safe? Should I get on a flight? Should I do this? Should I do that? And I've emailed law enforcement officials over there, and I'm trying to direct their attention to this case. But I had no peace on it. Mm. And and after that conversation with the counsellor, he said, do you ever think it might be good just to give this to God? Mm. You know? And said, "This is not your case. You are not the, the savior of the world. Yeah. You know, let Jesus do His job. Yeah, that's really good. You know, He came to save. It's not you. Yeah, He might have used you in that circumstance, but there are other people He can use. Yeah, you know, it's that. Don't try and take His job away from Him. And, yeah, and that was massive for me.
3: Yeah, that's really that's really good because I feel like within the social justice space, it's so easy to kind of take to kind of." I'm putting on my armor. Mm. I'm, going, you know, yeah. this today, this day, yeah. I'm battling this, I'm battling that. But like you said, ultimately, like as much as we believe with salvation, and the biggest miracle that could happen, right? We believe that God ultimately is in charge of that. Yes. Same with the way society is around us. Yeah, we play our part,
0: but at the end of the day, God's in charge of that, and yeah. we got to be His hands and feet in that, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's the daily thing for me now still. You know, it's an absolute pleasure and a privilege to do this and just seeing it turn into a reality, this yeah. company, and that people come online and place an order yeah. and buy coffee from us. That's amazing. This yeah. is just an idea. <laughs> you know, it's actually working. Yeah. That is amazing.
3: Tell me tell me about that. Where did the idea come from? When Was it when you were in the DR?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, it's tough. There, there's a couple ways I could... Th- Sort of throw it because there's always something to do with coffee. I, I've always been a coffee fan, but I've never worked in a coffee shop. Yeah, I, I'm not a barista. I yeah. don't have you know, other than just, just like good coffee, McDonald's coffee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I have to, you know, I've probably had a few, but, but I just a coffee fan. And I'd always since I left the job, the please, I've had quite a staccato lifestyle, you yeah. know, quite nomadic. Like you've identified in this conversation, you know, no, I was never really anywhere for a particularly long period of time. Yeah. And I recognised that. And I thought, yeah, wouldn't it be lovely one day to have a coffee shop? We all do this. We've probably all done it at some point. We've all imagined having our own little (laughs) nicely curated, decorated coffee shop coming down, brewing the espressos and the pano chocolate and having a regular... So I had this very sort of whimsical fairy tale idea of what that looked like, and and whilst I was away, I knew there were times where I wouldn't. I had you know, a studio apartment in the Dominican Republic. Yeah. Had a fantastic team. I had some great friends. There's a lot of time on my own, <laughs> yeah. and a lot of time to think. And I thought I need something positive to invest my thoughts into. And I thought, right, when I get back, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do yeah. it. I'm going to get the coffee shop. And then when I'm not doing a, uh, a close protection task, which yeah. sometimes lasts two months, three months, or whatever, or not doing an investigation, which can be you know, temporary. Yeah, I've got something that is permanent in my life, and this was my plan. Yeah. and over the course of the year, um, I just felt that God said, "You know what? Well, where am I in that?" Yeah, you know, that sounds great for you, Bryn, but what about you know, where, what about me? Yeah, and I thought, okay, God, well, I will tell you what, I'll give you twenty percent, twenty percent of all our profits. I'll give yeah. to you. So, in some capacity, we'll sponsor a charity, maybe IJM or whatever. Yeah which led to 30%, which led to 50 50. God, 50-50. Right, I take half, <laughs> I you take know. half, we're even. Um, by the end of the year, it was 100% non-profit. Yeah. And when I got back and I explored the different ways of, of what this company could look like, we've signed it, we've gone online. Yeah. Um, and we, we, we get to work with all the different coffee shops not, and not exclusively just have our one space. We yeah. get to work with all sorts of people. And I, and I think that's right for us. Yeah. But how it came about, how it came to be called Blue Bear... And to be more specifically, you know, focused around this issue of human trafficking was it came from a a, a teddy bear fund. I did um, not this Christmas past the Christmas before when I was out there. And then we went on a case that came in on the north of the island. So like a three and a half hour from where we were in Santo Domingo. Yeah. And a young girl um, had gone to school teacher and confessed uh, that at home she was being sexually assaulted and abused. Uh, In fact, that had gone on since she was a very young girl, seven or eight years old. It started off with a family member abusing her and it passed to another family member. And and more recently, uh, her mother was involved in, in profiting financially from that by actually selling her yeah. body uh, to members of the community and, and, and taking drugs in exchange and money in exchange and the story was horrendous yeah, heartbreaking. yeah absolutely heartbreaking and she told the teacher the teacher told the police the police told us and we mobilised and we drove up there and we wanted to take on this case and we did and um, she was released from that situation so that was the good news but it was a, it was a horrible and it was a difficult job but um, you know she was released from the situation we took it
1: so that was the end of part one of our conversation with Bryn part two to come in the next episode but guys what stood out to you when you were listening to that
3: um I think one thing that Bryn said which I, I always rings true for me and I think we talked about it quite a lot recently but this whole idea that you're not the savior that um it's very easy for us to get kind of puffed up and think you know what I'm going to be the one to make a difference I'm going to be the one to lead the charge uh, but the reality is it's Jesus and where we can play any role within that you know whether it's like a pawn or bishop to use a bad chess analogy (laughs) Um, but yeah i think it's always remembering that within that process uh not to get burnt out by thinking that you're that you're more than you are and also to allow other people to join in with you Um, and that's you know that's at the heart of what we do we are tear funders to say we are a collective of people working together and moving forward Mm -hmm. as opposed to just like expending all your energy trying to take it all on your own shoulders which is impossible
1: yeah definitely I think what I liked is is kind of linked to that in that yeah it takes a group of people and it's not one person's job to save the world but acknowledging holding that with the fact that you offer something unique and so it doesn't matter what you studied at uni you don't have to do something like international development or anything that you feel is directly connected you don't have to be really rich you just look at what you've got you think creatively about what you can offer mm-hmm. and you say this is this is what I can do you be confident about that and then you work with others to, uh, to kind of complement your skills and do something bigger than you can do on your own yeah. I think that's definitely stood out for for me.
2: Yeah, and I loved that through Bryn's... life so far, he's had all these ups and downs and these uh, bends in his journey. There are some things that have been a real tough moments for him, like real moments of self-reflection and times of what am I doing with my life, but actually his heart for justice never actually changed. That mm. was what was with him and made him go into the police force in the first place. and It's what carried him all the way through that God gave him this incredible burning heart for justice. And it's what's made him excellent at what he does now. Mm. Made him excellent in every step of the way. So um, I absolutely loved that. And I think that's so true. Um, If you have that heart for justice, don't ever quench it. Um, Just look for different ways to follow that out and... Oh my days, I loved when he said about serving with his finances and his time. He talked about he went on that website and he was like, I oh, will make a difference now and just gave money. Mm. And how actually, I know that for me and my friends in community, we wouldn't do that. We'd be like, oh well, we'll just go away and think about different ways we can give our time or likes on social media all totally valuable but actually organisations can't do what they do without money and I know that's rich coming from someone who works a tier fund but um, actually it's very true the work just stops money is what actually makes it happen it's what gives food to people it's what gets um, disaster relief to people they need money and finances and Brin's um, sacrificial giving is what made that happen that's really awesome
1: Right guys. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, We're back on the 19th of August with part two of our interview. So if you enjoyed listening to Bryn and everything that he had to say, uh, make sure you listen to the next part because it's equally as interesting. So if you like what you heard, then make sure you hit subscribe and tell all your friends about the Together podcast.